Hey everyone, I'm Josh. And I'm Dan. And you found your way to the Last Vestige podcast. Named after a music store we went to in college to dig through cheap and used CDs in search of new music, each episode will take a deep dive into an album front to back. We'll share our thoughts on the music and whatever other interesting stuff we can dig up on the album, the artist, or anything else we come up with. No music theory or music experience is necessary, and no recording or genre is off limits. So whether you're making your living as a musician or just looking for a conversation to put on in the background, we hope you'll find something here for you. What started as an excuse for Dan and I to call each other and geek out on music became an excuse for us to start a podcast. Welcome to Last Vestige. Today we're looking at the album Two from the Meat Puppets. The Meat Puppets, at least in the time that we're talking about, were Kurt Kirkwood, Chris Kirkwood, and Derek Bostrom. Their first EP and self-titled record are more in the hardcore-slash-punk genre, but by 2, they were tired of the sound. 2 was released to great reviews and helped start a genre that may or may not be Wikipedia trolling me, called cowpunk. The band got even more exposure when the Kirkwood brothers performed with Nirvana on their MTV Unplugged set, which featured tracks from 2, and we talk about that in the episode, so time to throw to that looking at the meat puppets two yeah not one not one but two so this was my pick and i came up with the idea to do it because i was at work and at work i tried it into because i work in a kind of a right now a busy-esque front office people passing through pretty often and so i try to keep music quieter and the other day i was listening to the nirvana unplugged set and was thinking about how most of the songs on the nirvana unplugged set aren't actually their songs they're covers yeah which if you read some people talking about it they kind of i guess nirvana being you know interesting band anyway one that wasn't really about self-publicizing in that way they kurt just wanted to play music that he liked and was almost, well, he, if it were up to him, from what I've read, they wouldn't have played a single Nirvana song. <laughs> and they Sounds... definitely weren't playing the hits, like Smells Like Teen Spirit and things like that. That absolutely say? sounds right for Kurt, Yeah, if we're honest. Yeah. But one thing I was reading on it at one point was like, they were saying that he brought on two of the members of the Meat Puppets to play some of their songs. And it's probably the only time in history that Oh Me has been played on public television or has been played on any kind of mainstream television program. And, you know, I thought it was interesting that they play three Meat Puppets songs of all the covers that they play on there. So it just kind of got me thinking, maybe take a look back at a Meat Puppets album. And... I figured I would go for the, the one that album. they did all the covers off. I mean, it's the one that they did all the covers off, but it's also Kurt's favorite album, mm. which is interesting because it's not generally regarded as the best Me Puppets album. Which is also funny because I've definitely seen it on the list of like 100 albums you need to hear before you die kind of lists. Yeah. Yeah. But most people, in terms of music reviews and things like that, think the next album by the Me Puppets is their best. Yeah. And that one is Up on the Sun. And so that one is seen more as their, 
I guess, better psych rock out. But, but we went with two because I was curious. Much in the same yeah. way that when we were talking on Hugh Laurie, how it's interesting when an artist kind of points you backwards or points you to what brought them to where they are. And I kind of wanted to see if I could come up with any any moments of influence, like things that were very clearly influencing Kurt. And I, I felt like there's quite a bit on here influencing oh. Nirvana. But just in yeah. general, I was curious to see what the album had to offer. So yeah. here we are. I It's funny, I hadn't ever really listened to the Meat Puppets. So this was kind of a fun introduction. And it is one of those things where it's like, I had heard, like, I know Unplugged. Yeah. I had heard... <laughs> I had clearly like heard these songs, but I'd never just like did the next step. And it is funny because as soon as you start listening, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see some Kurt Cobain. I can see him getting into this. Yeah, you can you can definitely see some familiarity at that point or feel some yeah. familiarity at that point. Now, this came before them. This album came out in 84. Right. Yeah. But the, you know, your influences come from somewhere this yeah just really does feel like it was very influential oh for sure yeah i really liked it it and i'm not the only one to like make this comparison but it definitely some of it reminded me of like what if the violent femmes were more into country hmm. I, that, I could see that yeah this actually on when i was just quickly flipping through some internet stuff Wikipedia defines this as cowpunk. Yes, which I guess Violent Femmes is also in that. In the cowpunk thing. Genre. Yeah. This is more country than them, for sure. Yeah, there's there's some very definitive country feel. Yeah. Um, and I really like it. I think some of that is just his weird vocal stylings, mm-hmm. which also is reading a bit about their first album. And went back and listened to some of that. And that's just like straight up hardcore. And he's just screaming the whole time. <laughs> and I guess when they were doing their next album, they're like, well, we don't really want to like only do that because then we're only going to be that band. That and sense. he's like, I don't want to scream my whole career. So yeah. they just like didn't do any of that and instead did a lot of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which you can also tell on this album. I do remember reading, I can't remember which songs, but two of the songs, he just like, um, the lead singer did not want to go to a Halloween party with his friends Hmm. and he just took acid and wrote like two or three of the songs on this album in a night. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some the, the songs have weird lyrics. They do. Oh yeah. But yeah, I really like it. And oh man, the bass sound on this album is great. I agree. The it's bass so sound good. is great. It's it's got like the deep bass sound, but it's like nicely rounded and mm. it's just it's so solid like the whole way through. And he's not he's not like a bad player by any means. He's but he's also not doing anything like super interesting for most of it, but the it's always just like so present and right there. And it just sounds great. I was reading that even like Flea calls this album out as like just bass tone. Hmm. I I thought that the bass wasn't like you said. There's nothing wildly complicated or showy. But I think he he takes it that one step further of not just playing really straight boring. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's holding down the groove the whole time. Here and there, too. Yeah. Yeah. I really, thumbs up. Yep. Good. There's good bass on this album. I had it as a note on the first song, but I think it's really a note on a lot of the songs, even maybe all of them, is that the bass is like, it's very thumpy, but in like a pleasant way. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think there's like a slight touch of distortion on it it's probably just tape saturation honestly mm-hmm. just to get it to kind of come out a little bit more mm-hmm. but yeah it's like thumpy and like round yeah sounding. it's a good full bass tone yeah which i guess you know it doesn't sound like they have much going on in the way of it but that mm-hmm. yeah it was one of those things where i started to note it on like two tracks and then was like this is gonna go in the general notes isn't it (laughs) it's just like every track i wanted to be like the bass tone on this song it's really good it is it's very good so they did a good they did a good job putting their bass where they put it yeah yeah the album is definitely one of our shortest album coming in at only 20 so the original recording is 29 minutes 57 seconds so just shy of half an hour and I feel like anywhere you look now, you get the re-release of the album, which includes a bunch more tracks. The reissue is up to 48 minutes. Yeah. I We just stopped at the Whistling Song, which was the original 12, 12 yeah. song cut. I mean, you can also even see when you look at it that there's Whistling Song, and then there's Teenagers, and then they start going into songs that mostly you've already heard, and they're like different takes on. Yeah, they're different takes. The vocals sound a little more rough. Because I, I yeah. listened through it un, like unintentionally one time. Um, yeah. The the recut of Lake of Fire is really, or the other cut of Lake of Fire is really rough. It pushes his vocals to a point where, so I think on the on the cut of the, the original cut, he drops down into a lower register on like the second verse. Whereas mm. on this cut, on the, the reissue second cut, demo cut, whatever you want to call it, he stays in the upper sh- screamy, shrieky register more. And okay. in the last verse, his you can tell his vocals are thrashed. Yeah. It really rough. So, I mean, they're just demo cuts, I think. Yeah. On the, the latter half. but So we stuck to the, the original 12. Yes. That's a good thing to point out. Yep. I liked the album. I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. I honestly thought that the... Although they weren't bad, I felt like the heavier, faster, more aggressive tracks were not as strong as the other tracks on this album. The more country-leaning tracks felt really good and interesting in the way that they brought that kind of lack of polished, pristine arrangement to it. And it adds this jangly, loose, kind of messy feel to it that is almost like a cool... Back acoustic touch. Yeah. Yeah. It's very jangly. It sometimes is hard to tell if they had one guitar player who's just like really playing very quickly or like two that were kind of weaving in and out in mm-hmm. a really cool way. I noticed a lot of the like instrumental jams legit sound just like one take kind of jams. Like they just, I mean, probably didn't do just one take, but like. You can kind of, I noticed in one of them, and I'll call it out, but you can kind of like hear the bass do a thing where he like tries to do like double notes and then he just kind of like stops part (laughs) of the way through. And it's like, maybe I don't do that. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's like the thing that you do when you're jamming with your friends and you're like, oh, I thought that would be cool, but that didn't really work. So we're just going to stop. <laughs> just yeah. going to like quietly not do that. <laughs> I'll just play myself out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and like, but like, it's cool. It adds a good feel because they, I don't know. I really liked like every song on this album to the point where I, I felt like I didn't have a lot of notes for it because it's just hard to take notes because I was just kind of enjoying myself. And a lot of it is like, how many times am I going to say I like the bass tone? <laughs> <laughs> or like, how many times am I going to say Dan like, I like this? Dan was just too busy appreciating bass tone in a way he doesn't get to do very often. So, Or like jangly guitar stuff. Or yeah. like, like, I like his, I like his voice. It's weird. His but, voice is weird. And I like it for the most part. There were a couple times that I, I felt like it, he went a little too weird. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Violet Femmes are like, pixies kind of thing yeah it's a it it was definitely a it's a genre-esque thing it's a time period thing whatever you want to call it it makes sense and i get it it has its place yeah yeah i definitely appreciate it though over like trying to super over polish it or overdo it i actually would uh, would rather what we got which is like let it be what it is this dude occasionally sings at both ends of his register and it yes. doesn't always sound great. Yeah. But it adds you, to the feel. So it is what it is. You can even like hear it on a couple tracks where he's in like a higher or lower part of his register. And he is, you can like hear him being completely out of breath <laughs> and still just like, <laughs> it's that point where you're like, you're talking and you just like need to finish what you're saying and you're very out of breath and you're just like, you can just feel all of it leave, but like you can just hear that in his voice a couple times, and yep. I'm like, "Ooh, are we gonna?" You He's could, so close. You could do another take. He might pass do out. I don't take. know. <laughs> That's... But yeah, I thought it was really fun though. Good. I really yeah. liked this album. I was we went for a hike this morning, and I had plateaus stuck in my head all day, and it was a nice, nice vibe. I I love just the whole groove of plateau so good like i have to say the songs that that were chosen as covers to play on nirvana's unplugged performance were all great choices yeah because of the unplugged feel of them they just it fits really well they've got good grooves but plateau is just so good plateau is really good they did plateau lake of fire oh me yep those were the three. That was that was it. Yeah. Okay, I and felt like it was a stuff. fourth. No, it was those three, and then their other covers were uh, "Man Who Sold the World." They did "Where Did You Sleep, Where did last, you sleep night? last Night" by Lead Belly. They did a cover by. Did they do a Pixies cover? I forget. They did. It was all covers, other than yeah. "About a Girl." Yeah, but I have me puppets on the brain, so don't. Yeah. Don't crucify me for not remembering the entire set list of Nirvana's Unplugged. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of songs. There were a lot of songs. And it's a great performance on its own, but we're talking about it the is. Meat Puppets. Which it's also cool that he brought two members of the Meat Puppets up to yeah. play their songs. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. I did this is an interesting one because I did see when like looking it up, people talking on the Nirvana Reddit. Yeah. I kept seeing this kind of thing of just like yeah, well, we all know that the Nirvana version is like really the true version of this, like the really 
like the good version of this song. And I'm like, it's really not that different, guys. They're really like, not. Like, you just heard this one first, and therefore you like it more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually kind of was not wrestling with that, but I had to think through that listening to some of these and intentionally try to distance myself from the version I know to decide whether or not I individually like or appreciate the version I moved to. And I had to tell myself, yeah. no, you haven't heard the song before. You think you've heard the song before, but you haven't. Give, yeah. give, they're it, really not that give different. it new ears. No, they're not that different. Kurt's vocals are different. I felt like Kurt's vocals are a little cleaner. Yeah, he is trying to get the same kind of inflections going. Yeah. Um, it's just such a weird vocal inflection that he's not going to get all the way there. No, no. I do like on plateaus that they play it kind of without percussion or at least very quiet percussion because mm -hmm. it in some ways doesn't need it. No, I honestly think the guitar, the style of the guitar adds enough jangle that it becomes the percussion of it. You want that. Yeah. You want a bit more kind of freedom in it. That and the, the bass, the way the bass moves in it adds a bit yeah. of the, the percussion, percussive feel. Yeah, it's very just like thump, 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 thump. Yeah, it's good. It, which is, yeah, it's very percussive in its own right. You yeah. really just don't need much more of that. Yep. That's a song like <laughs> many <laughs> tracks from now. That's four. So, yeah, I mean, let's four. move into let's move into track one. Yeah. Split myself in two. I felt like the first, it, it only lasts for two or three seconds, but this song opens feeling like a Tom Petty song. I can see that. The the kind of like slow strum into the chords is like yeah. the running on a dream or running down a dream, like slow yeah. strum. But then it just it goes fun. into punk. <laughs> yeah. And I like it. It's yeah, like very good in driving. Yeah. The beat is great, like driving thing. And because it was like my first encounter with his voice, really, I was like, oh, this voice is not what I expected this to no. be. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It did take me a few listens because before I even took notes on this, I listened to it in my car a couple times driving around, and it took me a little time to settle into the voice. On first listen, yeah. the voice, I was like, ah, I was thinking this voice is like okay, but I don't know how I'm going to feel about this long term. But long term, it, it really grows on you, or it grew on me. Yeah. You just kind of have think... to acclimate to it. Yeah. I think partly because I like some weird stuff now and again. As soon as I heard it, I was like, I'm down for this. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate him doing what he does, though. He doesn't, I mean, he's not shy about it. He's just, this no. is my voice. It's weird. We're here. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he really doesn't try and clean it up that much. No. It doesn't seem like, anyway. This is definitely one of those songs where he runs out of breath quite a bit, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the flip side of the like kind of immediate I'm here for it is always the worry that like 10 tracks in you're gonna like you're like I hate this now actually mm -hmm. but I think that didn't happen that, here that's that fine line of being like pushing or leaning too far into the weird mm -hmm. like if he if he tried to sing everything just barely within his register if he went yeah. almost out of register on everything that's when it would get mm -hmm. too much but he doesn't. Well, and, and, nice. and he is 
he's you know sometimes he's like at the top of his register Mm -hmm. sometimes he's out of the top of his register (laughs) sometimes he's like way in his low register yeah and like yeah i think that kind of helps it a lot too Mm -hmm. because it also makes when he sings like right in the middle it sounds really comfortable yeah he he does sit in the effortless zone a couple times yeah and that's nice too and his voice is still weird when it's there, but you almost don't notice because he's not like way out of his register in a way. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't go peak weird. The only other thoughts I had on this one were I I thought the crazy distortion and reverb saturated almost theremin solo. I love this guitar solo. No, this guitar solo is so crazy, psych, weird. It's it's great. like not. It's just not what you think of as a guitar solo in the traditional way. Like it's not it's not like watch how many notes I can play or something like really like grooving. It like swells in because it's just like delay feedback and noise. Yeah. This is a guitar hurricane. It's just yeah. <laughs> watch how wild this sound can get before I lose control of it. Yeah, it's a guy like playing with his reverb and delay pedals and I'm, I'm all right with that. I'm glad yeah. they don't do it on every solo. No, but I, like I like it first. Yeah. Especially for a first solo. No, you're right. It's they come out of the gate, just kind of guns a blazing guns a blazing, but still like taking weird left turns where you don't expect it. Yeah. And you're like, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> At the end of the song, I also like the bass climb. The bass yeah. just does like a really fast climb and then he kind of loses it and yeah. falls. <laughs> Which was good. Which is again like the thing that I was talking about where it seems like they didn't want to like, you know, it's like God, for an album we don't like much I feel like we come back to it a lot, but it's like the thing that we talked about on the Adele thing of like how much do you clean up versus how much do you not. You know, it's a good I felt like that, I feel like that album is a good album for example, work. It's yeah. There were a lot of things on that album that we had personal feelings about that we didn't think were done well, and these are the examples as to why we felt like something was missing because of how much you cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. Or like, here's a way to do this, but better. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the bass goes for a like a really good build climb at the end of it. Yeah, it just launches way up there, and then. Just kind of like runs out of it. <laughs> yeah, he just like runs yeah. out of space, and then he's just like bam, bolt, bolt, bit. Uh, yep. Okay, we're done. Got it. We're done. <laughs> yep. And they—that's the take they used. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind it though. No, me neither. It was a good. It's a good opening track. It is. And I have a. Yeah. I have a point that I think is relevant for the end of this track, but also for the next track. So if you're good to move. I'm good to move yes. on. So that brings us to track two, Magic Toy Missing, which is our first cool little instrumental break track. Yeah, it's like a minute and 20 seconds, and yeah. I honestly had a hard time taking notes on it because I was like, this is just fun to listen It to. is! It's a great track! I really <laughs> like it. But the thing with Magic Toy Missing that I think is highlighted on it and also occurs at the end of the last track is it's almost like these guys like to try to play everything just a few beats per minute faster than they're capable of to just let the missed notes and the, to let the struggle happen. 
There's yeah, like, there's a there's couple something points. Something enjoyable about hearing them kind of like frantically grasp for notes in it. Yeah, there's a couple of points where it sounds like the bass is like cutting out or something. <laughs> like he's holding the notes and then all of a sudden it's like not. And I'm like, what happened there? I noticed the same in the guitar because, you know, you got this kind of like good guitar rhythm that's got these cool little picking gallops to it. But then as they start to get into the really fast bits, you start to hear a couple notes almost either like muted hit instead of actually get the note. And it's Mm -hmm. like he got a few good runs through it, but then kind of lost the rhythm and then kind of picked it back up. And I thought as a nice tension to the track or like you can feel the effort in it because this track doesn't sound easy to play no it doesn't it's it sounds like something there's a you know kind of fun like country dance bar in town and it sounds like something that you could play there if you played it slower (laughs) yes i agree because if you actually try dancing to this you're just like running around the room (laughs) yeah this is the track you play in between so that you guys can like run it and show off while everybody else is kind of taking a breather and grabbing a beer and whatever. Yep. Getting some water. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's really fun though. I agree with you too. Like I think I have a note on the next song where it feels like the drummer is like slightly ahead of the beat a mm-hmm. lot of the time, especially on the snare hits, which we haven't really heard much of. Usually you kind of like lay a little further back, but it gives this feeling that the song is always speeding up. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it might be like, I didn't, I was like half tempted to just like break out the metronome and be like, I feel like we are rushing it at this point. But there's a always, song or two that I noted do speed up. Yeah. It always just, I think you're right. It does always feel like they're, which like, I've had that moment live where you start a song and all of us like Matt and I had that at least once where we would like start a song that we were like pretty comfortable with, but we had gotten a little too comfortable with it. And all of a sudden I was just like too fast, too fast. (laughs) But like you're in it, you're not going to like, all right, we got to stop and like do it again. Mm -mm. (laughs) You're in it. So yeah, that's it. You just kind of hold on and hope it works out. I've actually yeah, heard there's a there's a live album by Leo Kotke, who's an acoustic soloist, and he starts a track, his opener. He comes okay. out, he's like, hey guys, how's it going? He starts to play the track and gets two bars in, and then he stops. He wasn't singing yet at this point. He stops, goes, whoa, that's a bit too fast. We're going to try this one, and then kicks back into it. And it's just funny, because you know, they're... There's just a certain speed that is too too fast for the fingers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can always push it a little bit, especially like the more you know, mm-hmm. like the song. But yeah, there are those points where you're just like, uh, I'm just holding on at this yeah. point. We're just going to try and not fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but Magic yeah, Point Missing magic is a missing. really fun little jam. It is. It is. I'm actually going to... Because I've got an a, or an instrumental playlist that I use for work stuff, just to kind of keep on in the background. When when no one is around, I'll play whatever I feel like listening to. But when it's busier, 
I try to keep instrumentals going and keep them at a low volume. And I'm going to throw the three instrumentals off this onto it because yeah. they're fun. I like them. They're good. They're fun. But that brings us yeah. to track three, Lost, which I think... I swear to God, Jack White has done this same guitar intro. <laughs> I, I could not find it, but it's either on one of his solo albums or White Stripes. But It might be one of those things where there are just certain things that are... Like the the guitar leads you to play. Yeah, there are just yeah. certain flourishes. You just can't help it. They're just so easy. The notes are right there, and that that little bit that da 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 boom is played at the like at the nut at the headstock. And there's just on two even three of the strings. It's just really easy to play the second fret and then open, and then the yeah. second fret and then open. And there you go. You got a little riff. Yeah. So. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it's popped up on a White a white Stripes track or a Jack White track somewhere. Yeah. It's interesting you bring up Jack White, though, because the thing that he talks about a lot is, like, he... I, I'm bringing him into this conversation because of what we were talking about with kind of stepping the speed of the track up so that it almost becomes a fight to play it right. And Jack mm-hmm. White has talked about how he plays guitars that... He likes to play guitars that inherently have little issues with them, whether okay. whether it's a slightly warped neck or guitars that don't like to stay in tune well. Mm. And he does it because he says it makes him have to listen to what he's playing and you have to intentionally try to make something sound good instead of just sounding okay or have weird little flaws in them. And I don't necessarily think that that is everyone's approach to music or should be everyone's approach to music, but it's an interesting way to look at it because like, if you've got a guitar that when you play in the upper register, it's out of tune, unless you also give the note a little bend, it makes Mm -hmm. you play differently because you now have to intentionally do this thing that you wouldn't otherwise have to do, but it's also kind of nudging you in a direction to do a thing that you aren't normally and so you might bend it but then you might also slacken it and give that little bit of extra warble to it or bend it and then just really wrench into it and so it it just kind of like leads you to play things differently and i just thought that was interesting because it i see it falling into that same vein of if you're playing something faster than normal it Mm -hmm. also leads you to play it either a little differently or it just ends up sounding unique because you get dropped notes here and there because you're not hitting them right. Yeah. (laughs) And this is like, this was also the point where I started thinking about again, more in like people that this band has influenced. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you, if the white stripes were at least partially cribbing from some of this stuff, that would not surprise me at all. No, me neither. I mean, there are worse artists to look at. Yeah. So, this track, though, I felt like this one does pick up pace as the song keeps going. Yeah, this is actually the one where I noted that I was like, I can't tell if the drummer's just ahead of the beat or if they're like constantly speeding up. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, it works for me. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a punk album without some commentary. And so we get the line, I grow tired of living Nixon's mess. And yeah, I always, I, with lines like this, I always wonder what they do as the band soldiers on past 1984. How do they play this track today? Because the Meat Puppets are still 
touring. Yeah. Do they still say Nixon's mess? I'm, I'm curious. Nixon left enough of a mess where I think <laughs> it is. You can still say it. Yeah. Behind the Bastards was actually just doing... Was it Behind the Bastards? No. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to Behind the Bastards. They did a six-part thing on uh, Henry Kissinger. Hmm. And, um, yeah, him and Nixon did just war crimes, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's not really a different... There's no really other way, way to describe, describe <laughs> But this song, I, I mean, this song is good. It's got a pretty... I thought the solo feels, like, pretty standard for the vibe of the song until the end, where it gets a little sloppy, which fits the vibe of the album, which I like. It was, like, clean until it wasn't. Yeah. And I thought both I really of those like, were nice. The first, um, the first chorus has such a weird high guitar riff mm-hmm. that I really, really dug. I really um, appreciate their their use of the whole fretboard on both yeah. instruments. Yeah, yeah. I'm also. I think some of the speed thing in this song is how weirdly the chorus or the verse lyrics are structured mm-hmm. because there's like a timing on it, and then. Whenever he gets back to the last walk in the freeway, there's no time in between the previous line and that. <laughs> and like every other time, there's been like a beat or two mm-hmm. to kind of like reset and finish out the bar. And then it just doesn't happen on that last one. And it leads to this weird, like rolling, but the circles off kind mm-hmm. of feel. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing that I think is, is charming about this album is the, odd timing of certain things listening to it as a recorded piece makes it feel like it's intentional Mm -hmm. but it also being punk makes you wonder if it is intentional or if it's just how they do it yeah yeah it's hard to tell like how many takes they did on it you know you know like some like you get a band like trivium and if trivium records a track and the vocals don't have a bit of space in one line specifically. You're like, oh, they, you know, they very clearly planned that out. And mm-hmm. he chose, instead of leaving space, to break it into 64ths and come in in this very specific way to do whatever mm-hmm. very finite music analysis level thing. Whereas here, you're like, eh, maybe he just, I don't know, rushed the beat. Yeah. And kind of liked it, or it felt normal based on how he was playing and singing at the time. And he just did it. And that's just how he does it. Yeah. It's just funny to me. Yeah, it is. It's cool. I also called out how weird the guitar solo is. And I think that they're fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, And then you get so much string noise on this outro and him just screaming in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Like, he's very, he's decently far off mic, but he's also screaming. Yeah. <laughs> so it still picks it up. Yep. Now, this one, this one gets a little wild at the end in a, in a fun way. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, me too. I really, I didn't dislike a track on this album. I thought this album was super fun the whole way through. Yeah. And that, that moves us into track four, which is Plateau. Which we did already kind of talk about. We talked about, I mean, it. I think this one is when we really, really capitalize on the acoustic, jangly, 
country feel, but we go with this really weird, meandering, kind of dizzying guitar bit. Yeah, I think that's something that I do legitimately miss in the Nirvana version, is the guitar is cleaned up in a way that it Uh isn't as swirly dizzy feeling yeah i don't know if that has to do with the mix or what because there are i think so in nirvana on the unplugged performance there's if it's just nirvana playing then it's kurt on guitar chris novoselic on bass and then they also have pat smear on guitar Mm -hmm. because with to fill the space out because unplugged so you you want a little bit extra and whatnot so um but when they bring up the the brothers meeks as kurt calls them for plateau chris novoselic trades his bass up with one of them and he's playing a guitar that might even be a 12 string and then one of the other brothers is playing an acoustic actually i think he's playing patsick and pat steps off and so there are still two guitars, but it might just be that Chris can't doesn't know the song as well or something and can't really nail the weird kind of just like swing of the guitar part. I don't know. Yeah. Because I agree with you. There's something about this version, whether it's the production or what, that that I think does a better job highlighting just how weird this guitar bit really is. It's a weird line. It really is, but it's cool and I love it. Yeah, no, it's great. His vocals here are probably the most like violent femmes mm-hmm. that I've heard yet, and I was immediately like, okay, yeah, this is where this comparison came in my brain. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good groove though, and the bass is still like super forward, mm-hmm. but it's just playing like I said, that kind of like bump bump thing so it's not really it's very forward when it's there and then immediately gets out of the way for the guitar to just kind of do weird swirls (laughs) yeah that's actually i think they do a really good job of giving each other space across the whole album it's like they do a really good job trading off the the focus the spotlight of that instrumental point yeah yeah I Good also song, like on uh, this song, it's a great song. I like on this this version of this song how it opens up towards the end and gets this really big cinematic electrified section. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just, really cool. It, yeah, it it gets really just kind of big and and open in a nice instrumental outro. That. very psyche yeah it's very psyche but it, it sounds real cool i liked it it was a nice touch at the end of a song that is otherwise really just laid back acoustic and yeah. the song will get stuck in your head very easy and you will just have to go and listen to it at that point because it's happened to me a bunch since we listened to this album yeah well it's such a weird the lyrics are so weird too mm-hmm. but i feel like my brain's always constantly trying to like figure it out in a way <laughs> yeah this Which, is like, one of those songs where he is in especially in the verse just in that weird low register that sounds mm-hmm. a bit strange just it's like he's all like reaching for a note that he's not even sure his range can get to yeah and honestly can't fully get to yep um yeah it's so 
weird though and it was very cool yeah. yeah especially when he hits like the third verse and he's trying to say like mexico it's so low <laughs> <laughs> it is that's a perfect example because he does he just goes down to me yeah and he, got, he does that thing that just happened to you there where he, he kind just, of just kind like of loses it. it yeah he just kind of croaks <laughs> it out and then he soars up to the top he goes yeah he jumps right back up yeah but it's good this is a this this is a great track that i think is it has the the characteristics to be timeless yeah it's just there's something about it that is catchy and weird and make it is kind of enough nonsense that it doesn't have to fit a time period in its lyrics yeah so yeah it feels like it could have come out like yesterday yeah 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 so that's plateau moving on to yep track five aurora borealis this one is another instrumental break it's two minutes 45 seconds i like this one from the standpoint of although it is this one i think is a bit repetitive in its length Mm -hmm. i like the juxtaposition of the lower they're not super low but the really punchy chords yeah. And then what I just refer to as the twinkly bits. <laughs> because yeah. they're just these falling, dizzying little guitar runs that I think sound great. They're just cool. Yeah. They're nice chill runs that, yeah. that fit a nice spot in the mix. I don't I didn't even like personally find it that repetitive. I do think if it had gone on for a little longer, sure. But yeah, it's got it's got that kind of jam thing where everybody has you like you have the riff that you kind of started with. Yeah. And like occasionally they like veer off and do their own thing and then they're like, all right, let's bring it back. Let's yep. let's all like come back to the Yeah. <laughs> the thing. In a way that I thought was really kind of fun. There's a lot of really good space in this track. There is. I think they the base does a lot some of good space. work too. Yeah, it does. And then this is the one actually where I noticed that the bass like plays some like double hits and then kind of just stops all of a sudden. And I'm like, yeah, that just like didn't work out for you, did it? (laughs) (laughs) This wasn't as cool as you thought it was going to be. And that's all right. But good on you for trying. You gave it a try. No, it's a good track. I think it it fits a nice spot in here. Yeah. But that brings us to weird. Yeah. Track. Um, This has such a weird change because the verses feel so restrained and then the chorus does not yeah i can agree with that this track to me i don't know if i can fleet put a finger on a specific element of it but Mm -hmm. it reminded me more of something from the era of like tommy by the who okay something about the feel of it or the chord it's just a blend of a little bit here and there that had that that kind of the who feel. I get that. It's very kind of jangly and like epic feeling. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's just the instrumental bit and it's it's definitely more the intro and maybe what I would call the pre-chorus. It's not throughout the whole song, but it's quite a bit of it. But on a different note, I did really like the way the bass alternates between like playing it an upward moving and then a downward moving riff. Yeah. Instead of just playing the same riff over and over again, it kind of rides this this hill through the yeah. song. I also 
I think that during the guitar solo, he just like hits a really long harmonic. Hmm. I think. Okay. It's either him or like a very low guitar uh-huh. harmonic. Okay. But yeah. I liked the the crazy delay that was used on the guitar break. Yeah. Because it went super high up and put a bunch of delay on and then just kind of went to town. Yeah. Which was good. Yeah. This one feels like there was a lot of drugs in the making of it. Oh, I'm sure. Like, it sounds like they did quite a lot for a lot of this album. But <laughs> I guess they were on ecstasy for a lot of it, which really? is not what I expected. That is not what I expected either. That's weird. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Something I was reading was talking about how like E was like just like MDMA was like just becoming kind of big at the time and they were doing a lot oh. of it. Hmm. And I was like, that's not if you had told me to guess one, that's not where that's I would have gone. Yeah, that's not what I would have guessed either. But yeah. Hey to each their own, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's really all I have on We're Here. Do you want to move into climbing? Yeah, let's go to climbing. I love the verse where he calls out that the next line is not going to rhyme. You know, what's funny is if, like, when I look at it, I felt like it's a mislead because I thought the next line did rhyme. Well, yeah, if you look at it, the ending words are sand and hand. Yeah, that's what I mean. So he, he, what's he? Because he says, "Climb, climb. I always climb out of bed in the morning on a mountain made of sand." I know this doesn't rhyme, but the clutter on the table is getting out of hand. <laughs> yeah, it felt like it. Like what? <laughs> yeah, it does feel like he says it in a way that it doesn't rhyme, but yeah. it does. It does rhyme. I just thought it was so funny that he was like, I'm about to say a thing that doesn't rhyme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Are, okay. You I, really just want to yell at them about cleaning up, huh? Yeah. This this one has a the most Johnny Cash vocals of all the tracks, I think. Yeah. Yeah. My brain didn't think Cash, but now that you said it, I can't not hear it. I was listening to it in the car earlier, and Rebecca honestly thought that they were about to start singing Ring of Fire. Now, my wife is not a very musical person, and so, if anybody out there has this thought of, like, this sounds nothing like Ring of Fire, it's because she's not a musical person, but the vibe of the vocals had her thinking Johnny Cash. And she's not really wrong there, so. Yeah, no. But, uh, I, he sounds like a somewhat normal singer on this one. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Uh, yeah. There was a bit I, on this that I didn't really like, though. Mm-hmm. The way that when he sings you and his okay. voice kind of drops flat to like half a step down or to a half note. Mm-hmm. Or not a half note, because that's a time thing. But he he goes flat from a note and then he flattens and it gets this like weird uncomfortable dissonance mm. that was just like a, just a little too out of tune for my liking on initial listens but okay in the in the grand scheme of the album it's fine yeah but it was a thing that as far as musically i i wouldn't think i wouldn't think to do it but a lot of stuff on this album i wouldn't think to do and i don't mean that in a bad way yeah, but it just sits. It just sits in that uncomfortable zone of this. Very clearly clashes with everything else going on around it. Yeah, yeah. 
why are you making me like sit in this space? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it goes yeah. back to his weird vocals, which we've talked about. Yeah, this is another one that I really like the solo on too. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of like getting more and more and more intense on the way out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I like, like all the tracks on this album, I liked it. Yes, it's a good one. There's nothing on this album that I throw out. No. You wouldn't have very much time if you did. It's true. It's true. You'd be encroaching on EP status. Well, you want to move on to New Gods? Yeah. This one's weird. It is. My first note is, if I don't hear a Jack Kirby reference in the lyrics, I'll be disappointed. (laughs) And then the lyrics have nothing to do with Jack Kirby. Nope. No, they don't. (laughs) Or the New Gods. Uh, They are just the same verse, actually. Yes, it's just the same verse twice. <laughs> it is. Yep. It's a weird intro, and I really like the... Is it a phaser? or a, It's a phaser on the guitar, right? Or I think flanger? it is. I think it... Because it, it... I didn't cue too, too much in on it. I think it's a phaser, though. Cause, so, phasers get that weird kind of swish yeah. to them. It, yeah, it was definitely more swishy, and it was... Yeah. It's like long though. Uh-huh. Is the thing? It's a like a slow long sweet one. phase phaser. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, phas- phasers can be cool. They can also be really overused. I'm looking at you, '80s drummers, but especially long, yeah. drawn out phasers, you can do some cool stuff with it because it almost adds the interesting build to everything that's happening. Yeah. So, but no, yeah. this one's this just, feels it comes and goes real quick. Honestly. It does. It felt kind of closer to something off their first album mm-hmm. to me, honestly. Like, it feels a bit more like punk hardcore. Mm-hmm. We're not all the way to hardcore, obviously, but... No, but this is definitely one of the more intense songs on the album. Yeah. Noise Nonsense solo. Yeah. Again, because why not? I mean, we gotta have them. Yeah. Especially in noisy nonsense songs. Your <laughs> solos have to fit the bill. Yeah. But but yeah. I didn't really have any notes on this one. Other than it's just weird song structure. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, that moves us on to Omi. Yep, that takes us I'm to like Omi. double checking every every time song now. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is track nine. Omi. What are I, your thoughts on it? I like it. I kind of talked about it earlier too, but like the bass sounds so like intimate on this one. Like mm-hmm. it's very close mic sounding. Yeah, and this song sounds more stripped down than even the other stripped down songs on the album. Something about this yeah. one sounds <laughs> not sparse, but kind of. It does have that more intimate feel to it. Yeah, and right, I wrote that right before they go nuts, there's like a really interesting like drum stutter mm-hmm. that again feels like one of those things where you're like not sure if that's intentional. <laughs> but they kept it. Yeah, yeah they they definitely didn't do any overdubs on this album. No one. No one listened through the cuts and was like, oh, we're going to go back and fix that. Yeah. That was not that was not a thing. It would be funny if they actually did way more of that than it seems like. But it, yeah, it doesn't feel like it. No. But yeah, it's a cool, like, weird little stutter step thing that happens in the drums. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah, that's cool. I noted that I, um, did, I liked the bass movement on this boat. The way the bass played its parts or what the bass decided to do with its space. Cool. Yeah, I like that the guitar solo just kind of trails off. <laughs> <laughs> That's just funny to me. Yeah. Just kind of like, well, we're we're done here, I guess. 
it's less like intentional musical comedy as uh, the people's choice, but <laughs> it does have that vibe sometimes where you're like, are you just, you just, okay, we're just yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> the people's yeah, choice was just musical comedy. Yeah. 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 Listen to that one. If you want to hear about it. Yep. That's all I have. Oh, yeah, I didn't have much really. for me. This was, this was another one of the Nirvana unplugged covers. It's good. I, it is definitely a reasonable choice for an unplugged show. Yeah. Um, but our next track, Lake of Fire, honestly wouldn't have been my first thought for an no. unplugged song. But also you hear it and you're like, oh, this makes sense for Nirvana, though. Yeah. Oh, it definitely makes sense for Nirvana. It makes a lot of sense for Nirvana. But I think it actually translates to an unplugged version pretty well. Yeah. I would but, say so. Yeah, but here it we're does, listening to the full plugged version. In the unplugged version, it does also sound a little bit like they've got some like distortion and stuff going on. At, which was Yeah, at the very least on the lead guitar. There's yeah. either either some compression or or some overdrive to get that extra bit. There's not the kind of distortion that they've got on like Man Who Sold the World. Yeah, no. But but yeah. But I this version I think was like I liked the guitar tone on it. I liked hearing it full plugged in. Um, I think he is pushing his vocals to a, oh yeah a weird level, but in the context of this genre and everything, it works. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. The guitar, um, the guitar bits on this actually sound more out of sync than they do on the unplugged version. Yeah, they're, they're a bit more in line with everything else that's going on on this album but they're cool i like them i see them i see why anybody would have heard this track even like especially back when it first came out and thought the lead lick was good because it is it's cool it's got a nice place in the song it's really cool yeah i the way his like vocals work in it too is just really fun Agreed. Honestly, there's a very weird, like it actually kind of sounds like a synth to me for like the first time on this album. Mm-hmm. It might just be a weird like feedback thing, but it's just in the background and it's a weird, it's just a bizarre sound hmm. that kind of most of the time when the band is playing, it's kind of hard to hear. Uh-huh. So it's not super easy to point out even. Okay. Is it like a pad um, or is it playing a thing? I don't think it's playing a thing. Okay. Like, I couldn't really get notes out of it. It's more sound. Gotcha. I heard this weird, like, jangle of keys or, like, a giant bag of coins getting dropped at one point. Yeah. But yeah. it only it it only happens once. Yeah. And so I listened, after I heard it once, I listened for it again and never heard it again. And it's a real... <laughs> odd thing but it's in time with the drums it's it is at a drum hit it's a really odd sound but it's it's somebody kicked a banjo in the background Mm, maybe (laughs) Uh, just the right time i do like the the weird like floor tom intro the very like boomy drum Mm -hmm. that's like higher than a kick drum but that's I don't know. It's just such a cool like way to intro this weird, weird song. It is. It's. I don't know. It's just got that kind of like parade in the distance drum hit. Yeah. I don't. That's a very good way of describing it. There's just something about that that four count 
Um, that is very much an integral part of this song. Yeah. It's not like a normal drum count in. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's because it's because... not stick hits. It's not a kick. There's just something kind of hollow sounding about it. Yeah. It's basically just another, they can't do anything. They're going to do all this stuff, but they're not going to do it the normal no, way. No, they're not doing it the way that you're do used that. to. <laughs> but I, I like this version. For people that are like, no, we all know that the Nirvana cover is the definitive version. No, I would say that the Nirvana cover is the easier to listen to version. Yes. But that, I that is true. I wouldn't say that makes it the definitive version. No. Um, because there are a lot of characteristics of the song that that led to Nirvana as a band being the way that they are, or to the, at least that version of that song being the way it is, that you wouldn't have without this song. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you can see a lot of Kurt kind of like iterating on the song in a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, even if you listen to the way that the vocals are strained in this song and then think of like Smells Like Teen Spirit, mm-hmm. if you think of the vocal break and the, the push, yeah, that's where it comes from. Yeah. I, was it this song? Yes. I read that this song is like a Violet Femmes and Nirvana had a baby. I could see that. Just like weird vocals. And yeah, like you can hear some of Kurt's like, Kurt Cobain's like love for just like kind of straining his vocals in a way that kind of breaks it. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's a good track. It's a such a weird version. It, I mean, it is. It's, it's, I think it's only weird because we're so used to hearing it as the cover. Yeah, that's true. Because that's a good point. I mean, I, so background on the Nirvana Unplugged performance, it was recorded. I think like four months before Kurt Cobain died and it wasn't released until after he died. Mm-hmm. And so it became like the swan song of Nirvana and it gave it that, that immortalized place. So you yeah. heard it so much. And I mean, it's... they, they thought in, in the general marketing of thing, they didn't, they played it on repeat so much that when they released the actual CD of it, they didn't even know how well it would sell and it sold out super fast. That's funny, actually. They sold a ton of copies of it and they weren't really sure how it would sell because they'd had to play the performance already so much. Apparently at the time, like you couldn't go anywhere without seeing it. Yeah. And so, and so then when it sells a bunch and people requested a bunch on the radio, you know, it puts it in very heavy circulation. And so we've all heard Lake of Fire by Nirvana so much. Yes. That to think of Lake of Fire in any other capacity just feels kind of weird. Yeah. And then on top of that, when you take it and say, this version isn't going to be as clean, this version's going to have more vocal breaks. It's not going to be sung by Kurt Cobain. The vocals will sound similar, but will be definitively different. There are just so many things about it that sit in a weird spot in your mind. Yeah, it is like kind of, I don't want to say it's hard to listen to, but it is much harder to listen to than the Nirvana one. Agreed. But yeah. Yeah. Well, would well, you like to move on to? Yeah, I'm a mindless idiot. Track 11. Such a funny song name. <laughs> it is. 
You know, I I one thing that I liked about the opening of this is it opens kind of like they're not really sure who's going to start it off, and they're all just kind of <laughs> like kind of easing into it. You get these chuck chords at the beginning, yeah, kind of kind of muted chords, like you're trying to count things in. And it almost sounds like everyone has to get up to speed before the track can start. Yeah. It's like crank starting an old, old plane or car where you're like, click, click, and then you get going. I do like that they they kind of like trade guitar lines a lot. Yeah. In a way that's very fun. It does feel like they're trying to figure out who's actually leading it off. It's like a very like no, no you, you go no me no no you I mean, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it is it really is but it's it's fun it's a cool track and then once they get rolling it's got a really good groove I like yeah, the little is. drop kind of like kind of bits to it the <laughs> yeah. the very common theme throughout the song has a fun slidey feel yep. This is another one where I want to just note again that the bass player is just like holding it down. Yes. Very well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the I wrote that like this felt like another single take jam too, because like suddenly the guitar, there's like a strummy guitar that's like suddenly double timed and, <laughs> you know, like it works, but it almost doesn't. Yep. kind of thing and i'm like that's that's one of those jam things so yeah, like that was a let me try move. this <laughs> let me try this paid off this time no i agree but it's a cool track i couldn't tell if this was two guitars or if there was a, it sounds more like one of them might be a mandolin but it doesn't yeah. have the it doesn't have the characteristic like double note like harmony stringing of a mandolin and so i wasn't really sure that is something that I noticed on this album in general is like most of the time you can kind of tell what is what, but every once in a while you're like, what, what is that? What are you playing here? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's true. What, like, what instrument is that? Because it, especially, you know, we're considering this is a, it's like a psych punk kind of thing. Most bands that I think of that exist in that space aren't going into the studio like okay so we're we're gonna bring a mandolin we're gonna make sure that we've got our fiddle we've got a couple different guitars in case we want to play a baritone guys we no there's like no thought it's what's that thing in the corner wow mess around with it like play on it yeah (laughs) figure something out there's not that kind of planning and care in that regard And so when instruments like that pop up that don't, they sound kind of non-standard, it just makes you wonder, what is that and how did it get here? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I have been doing that a couple times on this album where I'm like, "Eh, did they bring a synth in for this one song? Because I doubt it. (laughs) A synth would be really out of place in most of this. Maybe. Props to you for confusing. Yeah. Keeps me guessing. Well, but, would you like to move on to the yeah, whistling song? That brings us to the whistling. Man, I I like that they make you wait for the whistling, but then when it does come in, you're like, damn, you're like really good at this, though. He is. He's really <laughs> good at whistling. Really good. I'm impressed. <laughs> this song has a weird classic rock feel, too. Yeah, it does. Like w- an unexpected classic rock. That's how I Yeah, considering the it. rest of the album. is either like country or more punk 
Yeah, kind of psyche, but yeah, this yeah. one does feel a bit more like straight up. I don't know if it's just it's not just because of the whistling, but I think the whistling no, helps. The whistling does help. Another thing that I found about the whistling was that at the end of the song, the whistling sounds more like screaming because of the reverb on the whistle, because it fills the whistle out and adds like that extra little bit of like wet echo to it. It yeah. sounds like a scream, like way off in the background, but in a really interesting way. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. he's really good at whistling. <laughs> like really surprisingly good. There's, if you've not heard this song, it's the kind of thing where you're like, how good at whistling can you be? Like this. Yeah. Yep. This is like, damn. Very good. All right. So I am te- like very bad at whistling. Yeah. Same. I am, I am bad at whistling to where it's like borderline. I just can't whistle. And so to hear this is just blows me away. Yeah. It is beyond impressive. <laughs> yeah. I'm also bad at it. And yeah, like you can hear him doing like vibrato on it and stuff. And you're like, what? You're like, man, I I almost think you missed your calling. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what profession, what genre of music you should have ended up in where you could just whistle, but that's for you. Yeah. You got it. You got the skills. (sighs) But yeah, I mean, like it's a, it's a pretty good track. It's a cool closer. Yeah. It's a fun way to end the album. Yeah. Doesn't end too hard. Doesn't end to Johnny Cash. Yeah. It kind of takes us in a new weird direction for one last song and then whistles us out. Yeah. This was definitely the point, too, where I was like, all of my notes are kind of the same notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's <laughs> funny this, because like, so some tracks I feel or some albums, I feel like our notes are the same notes because we get to a point where it's too similar. Yes. Like Metallica is one. The the end of the Black album is one where we're like, yeah, my notes are just kind of the same at this point. Yep. We're it back kind of all started Metallica. to blur. Yeah. This isn't that. Our notes are just the same in this from the standpoint of I thought this sounded good. I thought this was cool. This was a nice touch. It's weird that they did this, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Overall good song. Next. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, like none of I'm the songs. I'm not tired really, of it in any way. No, I think partly because like none of the songs. There's like one song over three minutes. Mm-hmm. Lost is. Yeah, Lost is three twenty six, and, and then Omi, Omi is three o two. But like none of the songs really stick around long enough for you to be like, eh, I don't like it anymore. <laughs> no, but yeah, like uh, another thing that I appreciate about this album is thematically it moves around a bit. And instead of saying, you know, we've got the opening portion of the album where we play a couple punk songs and then we move into the more country (laughs) section and then we move into this. They didn't do that. We actually get like movement throughout the whole album, which keeps everything feeling pretty fresh throughout. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. Overall impression. Great album. I understand why it's highly regarded. Same. I'm, I'm curious to check out the next one. Me too just now. To, just to see what came of it. Because like I said, a lot of people view the next album as the essential Meat Puppets album, but there's a lot I appreciate on this album. Yeah. Yeah, like honestly, I'm. when you said that, I was kind of surprised because I'm like, I don't know that I would... There's not much that I would like tweak on this album. Like, yeah. I... This this kind of just worked for me on like every song. <laughs> yeah. So. so one thing I can say is the next album sounds like it's a bit different from this one. 
Following the happy exorcisms and vibrant hallucinations of Meat Puppets 2, Up on the Sun returns the puppets to a more serene state of mind. If the second album was a hit of acid in the Mojave Desert, then Up on the Sun is a tall cup of homemade lemonade sipped on the porch. Which is not to say that they aren't still spiking the... So hmm. it sounds like they get more chill into... Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I want them more chill, but that's just me. It's hard to say because, so the next line is leaving behind the mudslinging distortion of Meat Puppets 2, the intricately woven guitars of Up on the Sun could almost pass for REM's music in the same era. But then it's like, then again, it's hard to imagine REM songs starting with a line like hot pink volcano in the heart of the tornado. Yeah. But as somebody who's not as into REM, I'm not either. Maybe we should dig into that because I don't, I feel the same way. Like, I haven't listened. I don't have a problem with REM, and I, I know plenty of the hits. Yeah. But there isn't an album of REMs that I have, that I'm like, uh, like Automatic for the People, or Out of Time, or other big REM albums. I don't, I don't think I've ever really, really dug into any of them. No, same. They don't do it for me in that kind of way where I don't have any problem with anything that I've heard, but yeah. it also doesn't make me want to, Not like... more. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, that. But no, what I was getting at was we both agreed we liked the weird guitar weaving interplay on this album. I don't know if I'm ready to let the distortion go. I want both. I want it all there. I don't think I want to just kick back and hear a whole album of Plateau. Yeah, again, like it's the kind of thing where I really like that song, but I really like that song in the context of everything else on this album. I feel the same way. Nothing really wears out its welcome on this album, and I would be afraid that it would. Agreed. With that. Agreed. Yeah. It was a cool album. I'm glad we did it. I had fun with it. Same. I really like this album. Yeah. I'm probably, I will probably still check out more of their stuff. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I've always find it interesting with bands where people are like, this is the definitive album, and you're like, buy this one and then they go on to list stuff where you're like oh that's not why i like this band (laughs) (laughs) yep it's true yeah i really like this album yeah this This was was fun i'm really glad i chose it and i'm glad we both enjoyed it i thought it made for a good discussion it's cool i recommend checking it out it it's got a lot of interesting stuff going on and you gotta as always consider it within the time period it's 84 it's punk there is it just is good too like yeah, I will listen to it again. It grows on you. If you listen to it and you think it's kind of weird or it doesn't click with you, like give it a chance and try to find some stuff in the songs that you do like or that you find more listenable and focus on them. And I honestly think the other stuff that might initially come off as less listenable will follow. It all kind of pieces together and helps lend itself to music and give it, just give it a shot. Yeah, it was it was something. It was, it was I thought it was a, a fun album, especially at oh, only same. half an hour. Yeah, you can do yeah, any, it's not you a lot can of time anything for half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I also find that incredibly telling because I put it on and immediately was just like, "Oh, this is just great." <laughs> yeah, like yeah, there's weird stuff here, but I mean, I don't know. I'm the one that keeps bringing the like Gex and shit <laughs> to the podcast, so we know I, where my like musical brain 
is. Yeah, I was I was glad that I ended up stumbling onto something that brought some weird stuff, but was fun and was a good one. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think I just like hearing things that I haven't heard before. Makes sense. And that, yeah, it's fun when you are like, oh, this isn't anything that I've heard before. Yeah. 